friends, you are listening to Real Talk with Rachel, and I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert. I am a therapist on a mission to bridge the gap between mental and emotional health and faith. This show is a safe and often fun space with real conversations to help you live free and pursue your God-given dreams. Remember, these episodes are meant to be educational, not a replacement for your own therapist. You can tune in on Mondays for short talk therapy episodes that are always 15 minutes or less. And on Wednesdays, we sprinkle in guest interviews with people I feel have a story that can bring you hope, healing, inspiration, or sometimes just a good laugh. Be sure you stick around until the end of the show for a short segment where I share counselor-approved strategies to take this Real Talk episode and make it relevant in your everyday life through simple action steps. Well, today's guest has been on the show before, episode number 63 to be exact. If you missed that one, you're going to want to go back and listen, especially if you, after you listen to today's, you're going to go, okay, I love this guy. I need to hear more from him. I loved that conversation with him so much that I invited him back to talk about his newest book, Resilient, Restoring Your Weary Soul in These Turbulent Times. Let me tell you about John Eldridge. He is a best-selling author and counselor. He is president of Wild at Heart, which is a ministry devoted to helping people discover the heart of God and recover their own hearts in God's love. John and his wife, Stacy live near Colorado Springs, Colorado. And really, you can learn more all about them and their ministry if you go to wildatheart.org. Of course, that link will be in today's show notes. I can just tell you from a personal thing, too. Both my husband and I have been blessed by John and Stacy. All their books, you might know him by his Wild at Heart book. Uh, my husband has attended one of his boot camps that they do. I am signed up to do one of theirs as well. We've just been blessed by their ministry on a personal level. So I've been thrilled to bring him to the show for you all to meet him and hear from him, not once, but now twice. So please help me welcome John to the show now. Well, hello, John. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks, Rachel. It's good to see you again. Yeah, you too. And um I'm sure I asked you this last time, but we'll go again because my listeners are used to me asking this. What is maybe a fun fact about you that I wouldn't read in your professional bio? Let's see. Um, I love Ireland. We are Irish. We feel a real deep connection and we're going next week to hold a retreat over there. Oh, is it one of your Wild at Heart boot camps? Nope. We're doing a, a more intimate couples gathering over there. Oh, that's exciting. I think I told yeah. you last time, my husband's been to one of your boot camps and he ra- raves about them. So yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a very fun fact. Thanks for sharing that. Okay. Let's talk about last time you were on the show, we were talking about the book that I think it was releasing during 2020, right? Yep. Yeah. And then now you have a new book coming out, which how many books have you even written? Do you know? <laughs> I think 15. Okay. Yeah. I love when I meet authors that have lost track of how many they've written because in writing my first one, I'm thinking, how could I ever get to the point where I don't remember? But that gives me hope that as you go, they get easier. So (laughs) yes, yes, yeah. I'm banking on that. All right. So this one is called Resilient and it's a practical guide to help readers heal and strengthen their hearts and souls. 
I want to hear your heart behind writing this book. Well, we have been living through, so last time you and I chatted was right before, or was right during the pandemic. I'm trying to remember. It was, it was spring of 2020. And we were talking about modern life and just the pace of life and the too much media and the technology and the chaos and what that was doing to our hearts and souls. Well, then we had the two years of what we would call the pandemic. And with that is the politics and the crazy and the hostility. So we've just been through two years of global trauma. And I care about people's hearts and souls. I want to see them be well, like you do and better and whole. And I don't think we're taking this seriously. I don't think that we're trying to replenish our resilience after being through a really tough time. Everybody's just running out to get tacos and movies and concerts and kind of pretending that everything's fine now. Yeah. I don't think it's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this gets me so excited. My listeners know I love to go these places. I love these conversations where we kind of put a pause. We're like, hold on, everybody take a time out and let's do a little bit of a deep dive of what's really happening here couple things you just said. First of all, calling it a global trauma. Do you hear very many people referring to it as a trauma? Mm -mm. Yeah, I don't either. And that's the problem. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. But just think about it. So they're going to take away your normal life. They're going to keep you in a constant state of uncertainty. And you don't know where the finish line is. Okay, that's traumatizing. That's what they do to break down prisoners when they want to interrogate them for heaven's sakes. Like it's the same procedure. Okay, so we've all been through that. And the thing is, like, even if it's a birth of a child or a wedding or something wonderful, when you are facing stressful times, you have to tap into your reserves. And we all have, and way to go, everybody, good job. But at some point, you've got to take care of those reserves, right? You have to replenish your soul's needs so that you're strong. For the next thing that's coming down the pike here. Absolutely. And that's what struck me when you called it a global trauma, because yeah, we just, you don't hear many people referring to that. And so I, I even imagine that listeners today and people who pick up your book, that might be news to them that, huh, we just went through a trauma. What happens when a group, I mean, because if you think about it, here's what's interesting about this particular trauma. A lot of times trauma is individual. You know, mm-hmm. I just went through mm-hmm. it by myself. I, you're, you know, maybe with one or two other people, but this is like, we all get it. And so how does that change? How is that different than just having gone through it as an individual versus as a whole group of people? That is such a profound question. I don't know. I've thought about that, Rachel that I would hope that it would let us talk about it mm-hmm. like you and I are right now. I'd hope it'd be like we can swap stories and exchange things, but I don't see people doing that. What we have now, we have a deeply divided society, right? I have friends who couldn't go home for Christmas because they're not vaccinated. You have all that stuff, right? And we're not talking about it. We're not doing kind of the healthy soul work of what was that like? How are you doing? But but instead, I think what we are doing, we are swapping stories about the effects. Mm-hmm. Everybody's talking about COVID brain, the, the loss of memory, that, you know, I can't find my car keys. Oh my gosh, I forgot an appointment again today. Like we're, we are bearing the effects of the trauma, the anxiety, 
and the anger and some of the, you know, the short-term memory loss were, were showing the, the effects. So maybe it's kind. Maybe what you're doing today, what we're doing today for your listeners is really kind to just say, hey, by the way, you, you just went through trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's healing in itself to just name it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's almost like we're asking each other the wrong questions. So it's interesting because, you know, instead of asking, hey, how's your heart? Like, how how are you doing after having gone through this? We're asking things like, hey, did you get the vaccine? Or, hey, did you do you wear a mask? You know, we're asking those kinds of questions yes. that aren't the things that are going to really bring that soul healing like we're talking about here. Yeah. And here's the fascinating thing. So you're a therapist now and congratulations. Thank you. So I don't know a single therapist in my entire network that has an opening. Everybody's got a waiting list. And, and, and many of them, their waiting lists are like six months long or longer. Okay. The New York Times ran, ran a piece on this saying, whoa, what is this mental health phenomenon? And I want to go, yeah, exactly. Because going through what we've all just been through triggers past trauma. And people are now going, whoa, I need to talk to somebody. There's, you know, my soul's just been through a rough time, but it's suddenly put me in touch with other things that I kind of just pushed into the closet and slammed the door. So there, there's another proof that it was global trauma. You, mental health services are completely overrun in the world right now. Yeah. And I, uh, so you just hit on a question that I wanted to get to. And so we're, we need to just dive right in of, I would love for you to elaborate on that for the listener, especially if maybe they're experiencing that past traumas coming up. Like, can you explain a little bit about why that happens or what to do when that happens or whatever you'd like to say on that? Yeah. So it it has partly to do with your brain and it has partly to do with your soul and your heart, but Going through trauma doesn't make you tougher for it next time. It actually sensitizes you to it next time. And I wish, I wish that wasn't true. I wish it worked the other way, that, that we all just got tough. And, but there's something beautiful about the human soul that you just can't beat it up and, and pretend that everything's fine. So, yes, what, you know, there'll be triggers, right, that, that happen that cause people to suddenly remember, uh, suppress memories, or suddenly feel things. Usually it starts with feelings, right? Wow, I'm really anxious these days and I don't know why. Wow, there is this rage coming out in me and I don't know why. And, and in kindness, we can say, yeah, because everybody's got heartbreak and trauma in their life. Everybody does. And then when you go through something like we've just been through recently, with, with the whole world is upset, right? Everything is upset. Yeah, that does, you know, it, it refires the loops in the brain. It, it re-triggers the emotional memories. Uh, and that could actually be a good thing. That can be a hopeful thing. Because what we're all after is wholeheartedness. We, we, we want to move to a place where more and more of us is well. And, and united with Jesus and receiving his restoration and his strength. So don't be discouraged, gang. If what this provoked in you, if what you're feeling these days, you know, a lot of people are just experiencing the exhaustion. I just get home at night. This is what I'm hearing. I, I get home at night and I got nothing. 
I am so empty. You know, friends call and they go, hey, do you want to go you know, out? No, I can't. Okay, so what's the exhaustion about? Like just practice some awareness and listen to your heart and let your soul say, oh my gosh, like I am so what? Fill in the blank. And then maybe it's something that you can work through with a friend and, and with prayer. And, and maybe it's something you can work through with good soul care. Or maybe it's something you need to go talk to somebody about. Yeah. I love that you brought up the point that it's in some ways is good um, because it's helping people to notice things that maybe are off. Because a, a big theme I've noticed in clients is very shut down emotionally, even just repetitive statements like, oh, if they want to start crying, like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm crying, you know, like almost just apologizing for feelings coming up and just being super disconnected. And so it makes me even think about how we started, how you were saying, we all just want to rush out and get tacos. It's almost like we're like, oh, all these feelings are coming up. Oh no, let's get them back down with tacos real quickly or the movies, or let me numb things out again, because I don't like what What's coming up? Um, Can you speak to that to the person who maybe feels like, yeah, some feelings are coming up that I didn't know were there. And you already mentioned you could maybe talk it out with a friend, do some good soul care, or maybe it's time to see a therapist. Can you differentiate how they know? Do they kind of just work through the three and just work their way up the ladder? Or what's the best way for them to know? Mm, Yeah, such good questions, Rachel. I, I bless my emotions. I would start there. I love I that. Wel- I welcome my emotions because your emotions are the, are the expressions of your heart and soul. And you want your heart and soul to have a voice. Give your soul a voice, for heaven's sakes. Give your heart a voice. And then initially, the voice tends to be, the expression tends to be emotions. And so you go, okay, I welcome you, my emotions. I bless you. I'm not ashamed of you. I know that you're here to help me. Okay. So just take grief, for example. Like I've been aware that a good part of the exhaustion I've been experiencing is from unexpressed griefs and not even major things. Like, not, you know, I'm grateful. I still have my wife and we still have our kids. So not like major, major losses, but the accumulation of grief in our lives. If you don't allow those emotions to come up, then it just exhausts you. It's like keeping a beach ball pushed down under the, under the swimming pool water, right? You're trying to hold it under the water, hold it under the water. It's exhausting. And so if you want a freer life, if you want more energy, let your emotions show up because they're there anyway, gang. Okay, so that was the first part of the question. Like, I bless my emotions. What do you have to tell me? my dear emotions. What are you trying to tell me? Okay. That's good stuff. I love how kind that is. And then what do you need? Well, like we could use the word severity. If you are unable to get through those emotions, if you are paralyzed by anxiety, if if you, or your clients you're talking about, if you are completely numb and you no longer feel much of anything at all, you probably do need to go see a therapist. It, if this is, it, I, you know, like you said, just begin, just begin a little soul care, folks. Like take some walks. Walking is really good for the soul. It's actually really good for the brain. Get outside in nature. Sit on your porch in the evening. Don't check email. Get off your phone. 
And, and if I give everybody a real simple soul care piece, get off the news. The, the news actually re-traumatizes you because as you hear and read and see visuals, you see videos of hurricanes, tornadoes, you know, people lying in the streets in Ukraine, like that's re-traumatizing. And so get off the media, get off the news, get into nature, move your body, swim, walk, run, bike, and see how you're doing after seven days of that. See if that seems to be helping and improving things here. I love how practical those soul care pieces are because those are things that don't cost money that you can get out. You could setting your phone down, getting outside. All those things are free and available to anybody. There's no waiting list for those types of things. Uh, so I love that. And then I also, I recommend so much the app that you guys developed, the One Minute Pause app that so many times has helped me whenever I just am like, I need a minute and it pops up always. It feels like at the right time. So thank you for those practical things. One thing I want to circle back around to, and you mentioned this on a personal level, and I want to dive into it from two different angles is um, that you can't heal trauma without grieving it. You talk about this and you talked about grieving. You hadn't given yourself space to grieve some things. And I, I really appreciated how you said you weren't talking about huge things. You didn't have a death in the family necessarily. But I'm going to give an example of um, our daughter during COVID. And I can share this with permission because she's asked me or I've talked to her about it. But um, she was a lead role in a play, Aladdin, and she was the genie. Well, when COVID hit, they didn't get to do the play. And that was a big disappointment for her. You know, that wasn't a death in the family. But as a 14-year-old girl, she had this thing. She'd been practicing all year. She'd been taking voice lessons. She's very excited about this role and didn't get to do it. Right. And so it's so easy for us to gloss over those types of things like, oh, it's not a big deal or whatever. And I, you know, was able to encourage her to just stop and like grieve that, like you said. And so because that is it's a loss. And so I want to highlight that, that we lost so much that we I don't even think have real like put that label of loss or disappointment to it to even give ourselves space to grieve it. So can you speak to what that looks like to to give ourselves that space to grieve these things like we were talking yeah. about? Yeah. And let, let's just, again, tell everybody it'll help them. Chronic disappointments, even if they're small, accumulate grief. Okay. So it's, you know, you can't travel or you can't see your folks or you've got to work from home or, you know, all that disappointments pile up in the heart, in the soul as grief. Okay. So what do you do? You name it, pull out your journal, folks, pull out a pad of paper and just name it and go, man, what, what do you wish didn't happen? You, you could write this. I wish this didn't happen. And then you can start writing things down. I wish my kids didn't move out of town. I wish I didn't have to work from home still. I just start writing things down, right? I wish I'd been able to do that play. I wish this hadn't happened, okay? And you just start naming your disappointments, losses, and then you honor them by saying, those are real losses. Those are real losses. Those matter. Because what you were saying we typically do is, oh, no big deal, whatever, you know, I'll bounce back. It's it's nothing. It's okay. I'm okay. Right. But that's not the same as grieving and say, no, those were real losses. And I grieve them. 
even if you just say that, you just say, I lament, I grieve, I acknowledge these losses. You may find yourself shedding some tears over them. Good. Let that come. And gang, this doesn't need to be a six-week process. Like if you'll just do this over the course of a couple of days, allow yourself some room to name the losses and just say, you know what? I'm still really sad about that. Your soul is going to thank you. It's like, finally, you're paying attention to me. Thank you. I love that. And I love you hit on a topic that I think is one of the things that keeps people from grieving is they're afraid, how long am I going to stay there? Or what's this going to become? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's the black hole. Mm -hmm. It's the rabbit hole. It's Mm -hmm. like, if I go down that rabbit hole, I'll never come out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's not true. Mm -hmm. That's not true even with massive grief. You know, I've been through all kinds. I lost my first grandchild. I've lost two best friends to death. I, you know, I've had a lot, a lot of grief in my life. Yeah. And it feels like, oh no, I'm not going to come out. You will come out. Mm -hmm. You will come out. I'll tell you, if you don't grieve it, that's where the depression sets in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I don't know about you, because I am I'm a new therapist, but uh you've you've been at this a lot longer than me. But something I have learned personally and seen is that sometimes if we don't give our soul that space to process, it will process in other ways that maybe we are not as nice as like depression, you know, like it's like it wants out or something like those emotions are just like, we want out and either we can let them out in a nice, calm, enjoyable, you know, enjoyable way, but you know, journaling and like sitting in a kind space, or they will eventually just start kind of seeping out of your pores in other ways that then get your attention. Cause you're like, wait, what's this anger issue or wait, what's this thing I'm dealing with that doesn't make any sense. So. Yeah, yeah. So just look at your look at your comforting behaviors, gang, since the pandemic. What did you pick up in the pandemic that you're still doing that is your comforters, right? That, you know, too much chocolate, too much red wine, too much TV, too much Instagram. Just what do you do? Mm-hmm. Like, look at what you're currently doing to self-soothe and then ask yourself, what's under that? Yeah. That's good. All right. The book is about resilience. So let's get there. We've been talking about trauma so far the whole time, but I want to talk about, you talk about some supernatural resilience that's different than maybe the resilience we might know in the world. Can you explain that difference? Yeah, I really want to, Rachel, because God is able to breathe into our souls a supernatural strength and resilience. This this is what the entire Old and New Testaments are about. God is the strength of my heart, the psalmist says. God is the strength of my heart. We can tap into a source of resilience that is immensely loving and kind and available without having to, you don't have to go to a military academy. You don't have to go to one of those wilderness, you know, leadership training programs, which are cool, those things, but but those are about kind of toughening up what I'm really interested in is this. The soul is healed through union with God. The soul is healed through union with God. And all resilience and well-being, all perspective and joy, yes, stamina, strength, you bet, come to us through our union with Jesus. 
And so what are we doing to cultivate union with God and to allow him to bring a supernatural grace? And people hear the word supernatural and like, woo, you know, it's usually very, very gentle. It's very, very kind. God doesn't overwhelm us with his presence, but he does strengthen us and he does replenish our reserves. He comes in. This is that Ephesians prayer. Paul in Ephesians 3, I pray that God, would strengthen you in your inmost being by his spirit that dwells within you. In other words, there's two ways we could chase resilience. You go get in a leadership program, outdoor survival training. Okay. You could could run marathons, do triathlons. Good stuff. Good stuff. Or right here in your own life, right here in your own day-to-day, you can cultivate union with Jesus and allow him to begin to replenish your reserves, heal your soul, and give you resilience. That's the difference. I think that statement and that idea and that principle of union with God was something from your last book that really just stuck with me in your one-minute pause. For the listener who's going, I would love union with God, because I think about that too. I'm a deep thinker. And I think about the garden and I think about that was our original design to be in union with God, you know, to get to walk with him and just be, be with him, hang with him, you know, have that relationship. And so for the listener who's going, what does that even look like to have union with God? What does that mean? How do I, you know, can you give them a glimpse of what that may be? Yeah. So you are a highly relational being. Every human being is. We are designed to relate, and God is a highly relational being. So this isn't going to look religious. It's going to be much more intimate than that. What do you do? Well, let's go back to the getting on your porch. Turn off your phone. Take 10 minutes. Start with 10 minutes. Just give, give yourself 10 minutes a day, and just go be. Just go sit and say, Jesus. I need union with you. I want a richer life in you. I want to know you better. Come to me here in this place. If you create the space, God will meet you there. But it's, gonna, it's not going to happen while you're flying through traffic, listening to heavy metal. It's not. You got to create the soul space and tune in to the presence of Jesus with you. And one of the simplest things that the human soul can do is to love God. This is a fascinating principle. So you burn your hand on the stove, you pull back. You're going to do it. It's automatic. There's just everybody's going to pull back. The soul does this too. Disappointment, frustration, betrayal, heartache, all that. You pull back. You, you, You pull in. You can do a clamshell, particularly to God. So if we, if we sit on our porch, or we're in our living room, we're in our comfy chair, and we just begin to say, I love you, God. I love you. I, I actually really do love you, God. Thank you for sunlight. I love sunlight. Thank you for the ocean. I love the ocean. As you're doing that, your soul is opening back up to God. And he's right there. He is right there waiting for your soul to be available, and then you'll begin to experience his love and his nearness to you. It starts like that. 
That is so calming. I I just love the simplicity of that and the pressure off on that. There's not a checkbox. There's not a to-do list. There's not a, you know, let me follow these three easy steps. It's it's back to just that simplicity of opening up and saying, here I am, Lord. Draw near to yes. me as I draw near to you. Yes, exactly. Mm, that's yeah. good. That's so good. Another thing you talk about in the book is our the three layers of our being. Um, do you want to share about this? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Because this is really helpful in finding Jesus and in cultivating you. Okay, you have the shallows, you have the midlands, and you have the depths of your being. Okay, so like down in the depths, the psalm says, deep calls unto deep. But most of us don't live there. Most of us live in the shallows. In fact, there's a fascinating book by Nicholas Carr on the internet and what it did to our brains but it's still doing to our brains. It is literally designed to keep human beings in the shallows. Your, your attention is fragmented. You know, we just flip from one thing to a next thing to a next thing. I'm sitting here writing earlier this morning and I start checking email. It's that, it's that fragmented attention. I need to click, I need to swipe, I need to like, I need to, you know, okay, shallows. The shallows of your life is just a myriad of distractions through your day. The Midlands is a more rich place. It's the place of of your cares. When Jesus says the cares of life, your hopes, your dreams, right? Your concerns for your parents, your child's education, all that stuff. That's the Midlands. The Midlands is the place of your longings and hopes and your heartaches. But down deep in your being is the real you. It's the deep places of your heart. It's the place where love dwells, okay? It's, it's the place where God lives in your being. So we prayed that Ephesians prayer. I said it out loud that God would strengthen us by his spirit in our inmost being, okay? God doesn't tend to hang out in the shallows. He doesn't tend to hang out very much in the Midlands, though he will meet you there. He tends to abide in, in, in your being down in the depths, And so if you want to commune with him, if you want to experience his love, you want to hear from him, you've got to learn to kind of tune out the chaos of the shallows. I'm just going to ignore that right now. And the pause app is what that's all about, right? I give everyone and everything to you. And then then you say, okay, I'm aware of the Midlands, my concerns, my fears, my heartaches. I'm just going to give that to you right now because I want to drop in. And the quick doorway to this gang is love. Just find the place of love in your heart. You're longing for love. You're longing to love and to be loved. If you find that, you found the depths. You found the depths because you're made for love. And you will find God there. He will meet you there. Yeah. Oh, oh my goodness. I love, I'm a very visual person. So that's why I love those layers. And do you think that, do people sometimes get stuck in the Midlands when on their way to the depths? Yep. Uh-huh. yep. That's why learning the grace of, of benevolent detachment is so important that for this moment, you can do it for a moment. You can say, here's my 10 minutes on the porch, you know, or on my couch. You say right now, I'm actually not going to pay attention to that. I got plenty of time to get to all that stuff later. Okay. I'm just going to kind of gently detach from it because I don't need to deal with that in this moment. In this moment, I can give God my attention. 
And where does he dwell? This is the fascinating thing. He dwells in your inmost being, right? Because the Ephesians prayer goes on that God would strengthen you in your inmost being by his spirit within you so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. It's so beautiful. We don't have to look far to find the presence of God. Yeah, we have to be intentional to go there. We we do need to get out of the chaos. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really love, though, I think also just giving these names and um, being able to recognize, you know, that almost makes me want to change my vocab. Like, all right, I'm in the shallows, you know, yes. but OK, it's time to go to the depths. <laughs> like just giving it vocab really is helpful. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. Yeah. And it helps you visualize it and it helps you go, OK, what I want to do is find love. I want to find the depths. My being hope is down in the depths of your being joy is down in the depths of your being. I want to find that place because then I'll find where Christ dwells in me. Yeah. John, this has been such an amazing conversation. I think I've asked you two of my 10 questions, but I I would love to know what you had a sense of urgency in writing this book. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I think we are in a perfect storm. I think that, you know, we all have lived for a lot of years now in the comfort culture where, you know, just everything's easy. You can order your groceries online, have them delivered. You can buy a house from your phone for heaven's sakes. Like it's crazy. The convenience of life did not develop resilience in us. And then something like a pandemic rolls through and we really get clobbered. Well, the thing is gang, like, it's not likely that life is going to go back to Eden next week. There's probably going to be some more bumpy, you know, stuff ahead personally or politics, or now it's the economy. Now it's inflation and gas prices. You know, I think it would be really smart right now if we took our resilience seriously, because I'm just concerned that if we don't, we're going to be more beat up when the next thing rolls through. Yeah. And that's, that is a conviction that I've had too. Like I almost feel called to really just steward my heart and my soul and just everything well for such a time as this, you know? (laughs) Way to go, Rachel. That's huge. That's so wise. Mm -hmm. And that passion that you feel that's from God. Yeah. And, And thank you for helping your listeners do that. Yeah. Walking them through, you're teaching them resilience. Yeah. Yeah. I even recently had a conversation kind of about this with my husband and we were talking about, I I had honestly just made a choice that I wasn't super proud about. And I was telling him, I was like, oh, I can't believe I did that. And, and he's like, you're being, you know, a little hard on yourself. And I said, yeah, probably, but also I just feel called to hire like standard and not perfection way. I don't want you to hear it as perfection, but just as like being, taking things seriously, taking sin in my heart seriously, taking it seriously when I feel burnout, taking it seriously when something feels off in my soul, just paying attention to that stuff and not just excusing it, saying, oh, it's fine. We all do this or we all whatever. Like, no, it's not fine. (laughs) Like, I have to, you know, we have to be strong. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well done. Well done, because the fruit of that will be more wholeheartedness. Yeah. The fruit of that will be a deeper life in God. Yeah. Well, thank you. I can't say I'm always that great about it, but I'm trying. So, um, okay, before we hop off here, is there anything else? Like I said, we've just 
barely touched the tip of what your book is about and the messages within it. Anything that you would want the listeners to just know about your heart behind the book or any just core messages that you're like, if this is all you took away from this conversation, this is what I'd want it to be. Yeah, let me add one more thing. So when, when you are depleted, and, and look, gang, if you've lived through the last 30 years, you're depleted, okay? It's just the chaos of modern life and things like pandemics. When we are, we're vulnerable to our enemy. And, and there's a phenomenon going on right now on a pretty global level of people giving up on God. Mm-hmm. I think we're in the second Thessalonians chapter two thing that Paul warned about when he said there's going to be a great falling away. There are a lot of really beautiful people, really mature Christians who are giving up on Jesus. And, and I just want to say, that's not you. That's not you. Your enemy is trying to egg you on to feel like God's not listening. He's not responding. He wants you to, quote, deconstruct your faith and all that. I just want to say, folks, this is such an important time for resilience. It's such an important time. Instead of pulling away from God to actually love him and move towards him is the only safe place. It's the only safe place in a stormy world. Yeah, I'm so that was a word for somebody. That was for sure a word because I've noticed that same thing about the faith thing of people kind of going, yeah, I don't know what I'm believing. Like they're really doubting their faith. Like you said, some of them are just straight up walking away. Some are questioning. So that was a word for them. So thank you for that. And for all of us, just that reminder that God is our safe place. (laughs) He always has been and he always will be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, John, thank you again for taking time to come on. Um, Your book comes out in June. And of course, they can get it wherever books are sold, right? Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. Anything else you want the listeners to know about where they can connect to you? I mean, your main hub is Wild at Heart, right? Or is there? Wildatheart.org is our website. And you can find our films and our events and our podcasts and all that stuff. Yeah. You guys have a lot of great resources. Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on the show. I appreciate you. Yeah, it's good to see you again. Well, it is time for Let's Get Real Practical. This is the part of the show where we take the topic discussed with today's guest and we get into some practical steps you can implement into your life right now. I love, and I'm sure this is the counselor in me, and I'm sure I hope that in this conversation with me and John, you heard the counselor in him. In fact, I have to tattle on myself a little bit. When I did this interview with him, whenever I come up to our clinic, a lot of times I will see a couple of clients and then I'll kind of come in and do a podcast interview and then I'll go back to seeing some clients. And I I just pack in a lot into one day. And I know it was the counselor and John after we got done recording and I was just kind of chatting with him about what was coming up. And, and he said, okay, I need you to do something for me before you go see your next client. And I said, okay, what is it? And he's like, take a deep breath. <laughs> and he's like, was like leading me through this grounding technique. And I just was thanking God because I was like, Lord, you knew I needed that reminder. And so I just love him so much for that um, because it's just so refreshing to be around other professionals who are just reminding us that we all, even those of us who are therapists, we all need somebody to walk alongside us and go, take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. (laughs) Come back to the Lord. Come back to getting grounded. Get away from technology. Shut things off. 
And so let's do this right now, all right? I really appreciated how John brought up that most of us didn't pause to process and to grieve before we started to run back out and get back to life as it once was. So if you're new here, you may not remember that at the end of 2020, I actually did a series called Process and Pray Through 2020. That was a very popular series, so popular that I now am bringing it back every year. In December, I this last 2021, I did, I actually added one word to it though. In 2021, it was praise, process, and pray through 2021. So you can expect that from me every December. We're going to just take a minute and process and pray through the last year and then the year that's coming up. And so we did that at the end of 2020. If you missed that series, I highly recommend go back and listen because, you know, as John and I were discussing today, so many people did not give ourselves the space to grieve or to even just process what happened. I mean, we went through a lot together. We just have to stop and recognize we went through a lot. We're still going through a lot together. And so here's what I want to do today. I want to give you a few prompts that I actually did bring up in that series we did in 2020. I put a little bit of a twist on them for today, but I'm going to just ask you these questions again. You don't need to answer them right now. If an answer comes up right now, that's great. I'm going to encourage you, though, throughout the week, if you have a journal or a note thing on your phone or you just want to talk about them out loud to God, keep these questions in front of you. Screenshot them if you need to from the show notes and reflect on them, okay? So here are a couple of things that I want you to think about. What disappointments have I experienced through this pandemic? And when I say this pandemic, I am talking about from the beginning of it, when we first got all this news to what was happening, to where we are now. Especially if you have, or you're one of those people listening that you go, yeah, I never did give myself space to process anything. And then I want you to think about what was lost in these last few years for you. You know, of course, some of you listening, my heart goes out to you because I know some of you lost loved ones. I personally had five different people uh, in my life pass away. Nobody, not family members, but some of them were people I'd worked with and parents of a couple of dads, actually, of um kids that my kids go to school with. Sorry, I was searching for words there. Anyhow, I know some of you listening, you you experience that deep of loss. So I hope and pray you're getting the help you need to grieve that. I'm so sorry for that loss. But then there's some of you listening who you're going, you know what, Rachel, I didn't lose a loved one. So why should I be upset right now? My friends, we cannot do the comparison thing when it comes to trauma and loss. Because loss is loss. Your loss might look like that you didn't get to, you know, go to um, a graduation that you were supposed to experience. Of, you know, maybe a kid was graduating or just whatever it might be. You might have had a vacation that you had to cancel that, man, you guys had had that on the books for years and it had to be canceled. I think I shared on the show an example of my daughter had finally got this lead role, really cool lead role in a play that she was practicing for six months up to that point, and then it got canceled. 
those things leave a mark on our soul. And they cause our soul to be weary and heavy and weighed down. And just like John said, so many of us tried to just run out and pretend like none of it happened. And it did. And I want to encourage you that grieving something does not mean you're going to stay in that place of grief. And in fact, as we're talking here today, if really hard things came up, you know me, I am a therapist, but I'm also going to constantly remind you, I'm going to keep pointing you back to your therapist. I've had other therapists message me and tell me they love my show because they can point their clients to it. And I'm going to just point them back to them and say, okay, come in, listen, get the education, but then go back and see your therapist. And if you don't have a therapist, find one. All right, there's so many out there, so many great ones. AACC.net is a great way to find some Christian therapists in your state as well. All right, now I have a question here. So now that we've talked about what was disappointments, what did you lose? Have I addressed it? I want you to be honest with yourself. Have I addressed that loss or have I numbed it with passive activities, maybe like eating? Everybody joked about, hee, 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 the pandemic 15 or whatever, and I get it. It's funny. Well, I don't even know if I can. I don't even know if I can pretend to call it funny, because really, guys, that was a coping mechanism. Yes, some of it was we were sitting around more and you know had nothing to do. So that's fine if it's just because you're bored. But when we start talking about this stuff as being coping, it's really not funny whenever people develop unhealthy coping mechanisms. Uh, shopping, social media, of course. I don't even need to talk about social media in this or any other activities that really just caused you to avoid addressing and feeling the pain. And again, just be honest with yourself on this. And then the final question I have for us, and this one I'm excited about, I want you to say, God, what do you want to redeem? What do you want to redeem that was lost for me and my family over the last few years? Some of you listening, I know so many people lost businesses during this time. Like there was just so much loss, health, finances, relationships. I just feel like the Lord says, I'm going to redeem it. It's never too late for him to redeem something. So let me pray over us. Father, I thank you so much that you gave us these emotions. They are from you. You gave us the ability to grieve and to lament. And so we lean into you. We know it's never too late to grieve the loss of something. And so God, we just give to you all these moments that we have gone through over the last few years as a world, as a nation together, just, we just give these to you. I pray for every single person sitting under the sound of my voice. You bring them hope where they've lost that. You'd restore their joy. You'd redeem and restore tenfold anything the enemy ripped off from them over these last few years. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, friends, that's it for today. I pray this Real Talk episode brought you one step closer to living free and pursuing your God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.